Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. We are not right versus left. We are right versus long. And this is the program where Jesus Christ is Lord and the Blessed Virgin Mary is the Queen Mother. Terry, I'm on duty. What about you? I am too, Jess. And I see that you got the sign of the cross on your forehead like I do. <laughs> Remember, man, you are dust in dust. You shall return. <clears throat> you know, Jesse, right. that statement right now is so appropriate because oh, you we're looking at a world that, hey, the Russian foreign minister warns of nuclear and destructive World War III amid rising Ukraine tensions. Can you imagine, Jesse, in 10 minutes, tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions of people could be meeting their exit interview like quickly. So I just think that when we're thinking about Lent, that's our topic today, this might be the last Lent for tens of millions of people, including ourselves. And I think we have to have that attitude that says life is short and eternity is forever, but especially with this dangerous danger in the world today with wars happening. But just be, we, we're going to talk, I, and I love yeah, this because every... Yeah, Terry, you, you, let me just mention that Absolutely. just even, out, even outside of war, yeah. uh, every second, mm-hmm. 1.8 human beings That's die. Right. That's every right. second. That's a fact. 1.8 human beings die. Yeah, well, that can be uh, increased quite a bit with a nuclear bomb fallout. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. But just... Yeah. You written back maybe 10, 12 years ago when you did the research on this Lenten season, Lenten Ash Wednesday, this Q&A that we're going to do. People, put your seatbelts on. This is outstanding material. I hear a lot of people talk about Lent, but uh, Jess gives a world biblical view of Lent, and it's going to really open your eyes. I know it did for me also. And, uh, and Jesse, before we do any of that, uh, one thing we do every single day, here on the Terry and Jesse shows, we bring out soul food, the gospel, the readings from the Bible. And Jess, you give a really good explanation for Joe Sixpack to understand how it can apply to them. So have, let's get some soul food in, brother. We'll get some soul food. Then I got uh, two good news items for I your love good, good news. Smile. Good. Yeah. So let's let's do the soul food first. Uh, Matthew chapter six, mm-hmm. verses one to six, and right. then six to eighteen. Yep. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward, But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on street corners so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, Close the door and pray to your father in secret, and your father who sees in secret will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you may not appear to be fasting, except to your Father who is hidden, and your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What's going on here? 
in today's gospel, almsgiving is mentioned three times, prayer is mentioned four times, and fasting is mentioned three times. What do we have going on? Our Lord is teaching us about the traditional Jewish works of mercy that are honored by the Jews. So these are the traditional works of mercy that go back into the Old Testament and we continue applying them in the New Testament. Again, it's almsgiving, it's prayer, and it's fasting. Now, notice that our Lord Jesus Christ is honoring these practices. He's not challenging them. He's not obliterating them. In fact, he's warning uh, uh, us to perform these works, but don't do it in public necessarily. In, in, in fact, when he talks about the Pharisees and Sadducees, he said they would get all they would give alms, but they would stage these performances in public. They wanted the, the, the outward accolades of people. So our Lord is saying to give alms, but not because you're going to be praised by men. Do it because it flows from the proper intentions and because you're doing it because it's the will of God. He says about prayer, again, contrasting the prayer, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they would stand in street corners with their long robes uh, with this false piety. Our Lord is saying, withdraw from the public, go alone and be with your father and pray to him. Just like our Lord did over and over again in the Gospels. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to pray together. Private prayer is a complement to communal prayer, and it's not a rejection of it. And then the last thing that the Lord talks about, He talks about fasting. Anoint your head and fast. Fasting was often a public practice accompanied by wearing sackcloth, and, and putting on ashes on one's head in the Old Testament. We see that in the book of Esther chapter 4 verse 3. And in the book of Daniel chapter 9 verse 3. Now fasting is intended to express our inner repentance. But the hypocrites at the time of Christ would do this. To appear to be pious and devout. And, and so our Lord is saying that when we fast. Make sure that we're doing it. Because of the, uh, because we want to get right with God in our interior life. We want to take custody of our interior life. We're not doing it for fanfare or for applause or for any outward uh, external accolades that we may receive. Well said, Jess. Let's bring the smartest guy into the room right now, Archbishop Sheen. Full Sheen ahead. Now, now I, knew, I knew that train was coming, but it's Ash Wednesday, so it's running a little late. All right. We have a mystery guest with Bishop Sheen. The mystery guest has a statement that I like. It says, ties right into Wednesday's Ash Wednesday. If you're so attached to something that you can't give it away, it means you're too attached. Put God on the throne of your heart. Jesse, do you like that? Put God on the throne of your heart. I never heard that term. I mean, I always think about put God at the center of your life, Mm -hmm. but I like it. Put God on the throne of your heart. <laughs> so wow. I just think that this is good when we talk about what are we going to do for Lent. And I'll just give my take on it. Sometimes people say, hey, Jesse, you're going to give up candy? You're going to give up iced tea, Terry? You're going to give up, you know, <clears throat> those are you know, things that you can give up. But I, I think this is something that we should consider for Lent. 
and that is an interior conversion, which we always have for Lent. But in other words, I mentioned it yesterday, quiet time. Put at least 15 minutes a day where you don't say a word to anybody. You don't pick up your phone. You don't read an email, a text, nothing. You're silent, and you have the scriptures with you. Or you pray your rosary, but something where you don't communicate with the world. You're trying to communicate with the transcendent, which is God. And I just think that this Lent will be better for you if we zip the lip and listen. That's my take, Jess. Amen. Uh, from your lips to God's ears, Terry. Here's here's something that I would just... Good news again? Uh, yeah. Oh, good. That, that, yeah. I want to share just with people this Lent. Yeah. If you knew yeah. that you were going to die tonight, oh, yeah. what would you do differently? Now, here's what I would respond. What would I do differently? I would do nothing differently. <laughs> I would continue to fulfill my duties according to my state in life. And whatever my duties call me to do as a Catholic layman, yeah. I would continue doing even if I knew I was going to die tonight. Good news items. Hey, Jesse, just to back that up, St. Ignatius of Loyola and his spiritual exercises yes. was asked that very question. And guess what, Jess? He gave the same answer you gave. So you're in wow. good company, brother. I, I'm, I'm tracking in the same you direction. You got it, partner. Terry. Continue, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the good news file, uh, just uh, over the weekend, the Conservative Political Action Conference, CPAC, yeah. they had a straw poll, yeah. and it revealed mm -hmm. that former President Donald Trump has grown in dominance in the Republican Party. 59% of the CPAC participants voted for Trump, while just 28% voted for Governor Ron DeSantis. 2% voted for former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So it looks, Terry, like if uh, oh, yeah. the former president is still popular. Oh, yeah. Here, here's another good news, good news file. Tell us. Governor DeSantis says no to Biden. <laughs> I know this is great. Yeah, Governor DeSantis announced on Monday that his state would not deploy any National Guard members to the nation's capital ahead of Tuesday's planned State of the Union address. He said, last week, the Biden administration requested the assistance of state National Guards to deploy to Washington, D.C., close quote. DeSantis tweeted Monday, I have rejected this request. There will be no Florida National Guard sent to D.C. for Biden's State of the Union address. So you have some people, Terry, that just think independently yeah. and don't want to be bossed around or bullied by Washington, D.C. Got it. Jess, here's a thought for Lent, for Ash Wednesday. You and I, the moment we die, we will see one of two faces, either the glorious face of God or the hideous face of the devil. And whichever face we see the moment we die, they will look at us and say, Mine! For all eternity. Amen. Just a good thought to think about. Like Jess said, man, this could be our last Lent. Yeah, it certainly can be. Let's act like it could be, and let's prepare for a holy death. Whether it comes this year or a decade from now, that's our whole life. We're preparing for that moment. Hey, when we come back, Jess has got some really good material on Lent. Ash Wednesday, questions and answers. You won't want to miss this. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Wow, Jesse, I've got back. I've been running back and forth to the church on these breaks. I just got, 
Jesse, this is so good. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I wonder if I could buy locate because of the needs around here are high. Yes, you know, this is, I think, one of your things that when you're dead, people are going to be taking this document and, and re, you know, using it because it's, it's really, it's true. So it's, it's going to be true of 500 years from now. Let's get what, let's talk about this Q&A. What is Lent in general? Lent is a 40-day period of penitence and spiritual self-examination, which is observed by Christians worldwide. Uh, and by the way, the word Lent, it comes from the Anglo-Saxon word Lenkten, which means spring. And the word Quaresma uh, in Spanish, which comes from the Latin word Quadragesima in Latin, it means 40 days. And it, 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 just think of the transformation that God could accomplish if Catholics across America united together during Lent for 40 days of prayer and fasting, pulling out all the stops to end the violence of abortion, the culture of death. Imagine how many mothers and babies could be saved and how we could turn uh, some of these, these, uh, these, uh, these uh, uh, culture of death issues. We could turn these things right around, Terry. Absolutely. Jesse, here's a question that it's always asked. Uh, when does Lent start? And my aid, when does it end? Lent begins each year on Ash Wednesday, mm -hmm. and it ends before Holy Thursday Mass of the Last Supper. Uh, from, from Holy Mass of the Last Supper, now we enter into another season of the church. It's called the Holy Triduum, yep. which is Holy Thursday Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. Jesse, how does Lent relate to Jesus? Jesus, he spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness communion with God and preparing himself for the task that he was called to do, as well as resisting the temptation to choose easier, more prideful ways to live out his days. And during this time, our Lord fasted, mm -hmm. which in his day... It meant that he was on a, on a restricted diet. It, uh, it, 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 what it did mean is that he didn't eat anything at all. Wow. And, and also, Terry, something about the 40 days, it's very Jewish. Yeah. It's very Jewish. What do I mean by that? Tell us. Because 40 days is a traditional number in the Bible of discipline, devotion, and preparation. This is why Moses... He stayed on the mountain of God for 40 days. It's, you can find that in Exodus chapter 24 and Exodus chapter 34. You also find the Israelite spies were in the land spying on the enemy for 40 days. That's found in Numbers chapter 13 verse 25. You also find one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, Elijah. He traveled 40 days before he reached the cave where he had his vision and God and God spoke to him in First Kings chapter nineteen verse eight, and also that wicked city Nineveh. It was given forty days to repent uh, when Jonah, the minor prophet, he re, he was reluctant at first. Uh, he was swallowed by a whale, spit under the oh, under the beach of, of Nineveh, and he goes, "Okay, I guess I'm here. Time to <laughs> preach." So it, it was probably. You know, it was it was a very important undertaking or God would have decimated the city of Nineveh. Then we go to the New Testament. Our Lord Jesus Christ, 
he spends 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2. So that's the first Lent, basically, in the New Testament from our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so, so, since Lent is a period of prayer and fasting, it is fitting for Christians to imitate our Lord with a 40-day period and do likewise. Because Christ used a 40-day period of prayer and fasting to prepare for his earthly ministry, which culminated in his death and resurrection. And thus it is fitting for us as Christians, the body of Christ, to imitate our Lord, who's the head, with a 40-day period of prayer and fasting to prepare for the celebration of his ministry's climax, which is Good Friday, the day of the crucifixion, uh, Holy Saturday, and Easter Sunday, the day of the resurrection. The Catechism in paragraph 540 says the following. The Catechism of the Catholic Church mm -hmm. said this, quote, For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sinning. Hebrews 4.15 So, by the solemn 40 days of Lent, the Catholic Church unites herself each year to the mystery of Jesus in the desert. All right, Jesse, this question's set up, man. This happens all the time. I count 46 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter. Okay, Jess, how do you explain that one, brother? Good question. <laughs> so Sundays are considered days of rejoicing and, celebrate, and celebrating Jesus' resurrection even during Lent. So as a result... The Sundays between Ash Wednesday and Easter are not included in the days of penitence and sorrow of the Lenten season. That's why we get 40 days instead of 46 days. Got it. Good explanation. Next one. Why should I observe Lent? In other words, what purpose would it, is it going to serve me? Well, again, just looking at Jesus Christ as a role model, yep. we're called to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. But Lent is it, it's, it's a call to prepare for Easter, which is the highest holy day in Christianity, Easter, the resurrection of Christ. So during this period of Lent, we're supposed to enter into serious reflection. We're supposed to spend time in self-examination, in spiritual redirection. And it's a time for us to acknowledge our shortcomings. And it's a time to seek forgiveness for where we have fallen short in our Catholic faith, because Lent, it offers us the opportunity to seek spiritual renewal through the practice of prayer and self-denial, which we typically call penance or self-mortification. This next one comes from a teenager, Jesse. I, I've had it many times. Even my own kids have asked me this question. Yes, is the custom of giving up something for Lent, is it mandatory? <laughs> No, no, it's not mandatory. It's not like, you know, like uh, yeah. you're going to go to hell if you don't do it. Right. However, it's very profitable. Right. And, and we call this an ascetical practice. Mm. By denying ourselves something we enjoy, we discipline our wills so that we're not slaves to our passions. So in other words, we're trying to properly order our faculties so that our higher faculties will master our lower faculties. Think about this. Mm -hmm. Just as indulging the pleasure of eating, it leads to physical flabbiness. And if this is not great enough, 
Uh, there's also an inability to perform in physically demanding situations. So indulging in pleasure in general leads to spiritual flabbiness. Again, uh, and, and, and when the demands of morality require us to sacrifice something pleasurable, such as sex before marriage or not within or, 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 or within the confines of marriage, or to endure hardship, such as being scorned or persecuted for your Catholic faith, yep. by disciplining the will to refuse pleasures when they're not sinful, a habit is developed, which allows the will to refuse, it strengthens the will so that we can refuse pleasures when they are sinful. There are a few better ways to keep one's priorities straight than by periodically denying ourselves things of lesser priority to show us that they're not necessary and to focus our attention on what is necessary. So this denying of, of pleasure is not an end in itself. It is, it is a, only a means to an end. Well, but by training ourselves... Mm -hmm. To resist temptations when they are not sinful, we train ourselves to reject temptations when they are sinful. And we also express our sorrow over having failed to resist sinful temptations in the past. The scripture is very clear. It calls us many places to offer up our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord. It's in Romans chapter 12. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 2, and Colossians chapter 1. The last thing I'll say about this, when I ran a boxing gym, yep. I had a big sign right uh, in the front door. Yeah. It says, when you enter into this place, remember, no pain, no gain. <laughs> that not only applies, Terry, to the physical of course, life, it more, it more importantly applies to the interior life. You know, Jesse, that's so the body is like that. And, and so much we learn. Remember, St. Paul talks about the athlete who's, who trains for a running, uh, for a, a competition. He, if he doesn't train, he doesn't do well. It's the same thing in the spiritual life. We have, to, we have to deny ourselves. Without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. That's right. Terry, let me comment on something that we need. Let me just pick. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Because St. Saint, Saint Thomas said what you just said. Yeah. St. Thomas of Aquinas, <laughs> you're, you're in good company. Yeah. And uh, the Summa, St. Thomas says that the body, the body itself adjusts itself to the operations of the soul. Yeah. So as the body starts performing acts of virtue, you, the, 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 as the soul starts performing acts of virtue, your body starts accommodating to that activity because the body was designed to perform acts of virtue. And by the same token, the body breaks down with acts of sin and with acts of vice. Uh, vice and sin actually dulls the senses. This is actually uh, found in Psalm 32, verse 3, where King David says, When I confessed my sin not, my body wasted away. Jesse, this is a biblical view of Lent. And I said at the beginning of the show they're going to get that. You are giving it to us. Hey, before I ask this next question, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to remind people... I just had a young man call me this morning about the Father Chad Ripperger talks from the Spiritual Warfare Conference. He's non-Catholic, but he heard the talks, and he wants to become a Catholic. 
Now, that's how powerful <laughs> that spiritual warfare conference is going. Now, I'm Whoa. sending him Bishop Sheen's Life is Worth Living because I want to make sure he gets a good RCIA program, and there's no better one than Fulton Sheen's Convert that's Course. Right. Yes. So you see, that's the power. Now, you, our listener, can still listen to that by going to vmpr.org and sign up for the conference, even though that was a month ago. I think there's 60,000 people have been watching these recordings from a little, what, 650 people that showed up from a conference. Wow. But that's the beauty, Jesse, of this. And we're having another one in March. I'll give everybody the dates when we get closer. But I want to encourage people to show these videos to groups. Remember what I said, Jesse, about bringing people together to pray the rosary? Bring them together, pray your rosary, watch a video, a talk by Father Chad or, or the other tr- group that's in the, uh, the other guys on the crew. Get these recordings because this can save souls and do it by going to vmpr.org. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about how can I apply successful Lent in my personal life. You're listening to The Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to The Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. We're talking about Ash Wednesday and Lent. Absolutely. And Jess, you have been given a great biblical view on Lent. And now we come to the questions that how can I apply it? How can I apply all this to my life, Jess? So Lent is usually observed by practicing some sort of self-denial. So mm-hmm. that's, where, that's where we start. Right. Some people skip a meal a day uh, and give the money that they would have spent on the meal to a needy individual or a group whether it be giving up sweets or television or you know social media, eating out or smoking or having a beer. Usually it's something that we don't need, but we do it or we use it habitually, something that will leave a hole in our lives. But when we give up something for Lent, it's a reminder that we miss it and we repent. So we can use the experience of our desire for what we gave up as a way to remind us that we often use things other than God to fill our emptiness. Well, so Jesse, this whole uh, uh, thing that you did, I want everybody to know that many years ago you put a CD out on why the ashes, and it was very popular. Our upstairs office doesn't know it, but I just want to give it away to people because you did it about, oh, maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And if Anthony can find that and Trish up there, I want to give that to people so that they can just forward that to people or even forward the show because this information is very valuable. Let's continue, Jess. What's next? So uh, I, I, I guess uh, what is Ash Wednesday? Yeah, what is I, Ash Wednesday? Yeah. yeah. Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the Lenten season. And, mm-hmm. and again, you'll see a lot of people that have ashes on their forehead. It looks like this, it's this suit, uh, usually in the sign of a cross on your forehead. And there's two things that uh, the, the priest can tell you. The traditional way is from 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 uh, dust you came to dust you shall return, but uh, the the new uh, the new rite also allows for the minister to say uh, repent and believe in the gospel. Both one is the Old Testament, one is the New Testament. Both of them are calling you to a life of uh, repentance and a life of metanoia and a life of amending your life to change. And Jesse, I heard really beautifully on the radio today on secular radio. They said today's Ash Wednesday. You're going to see people. 
with ashes made a sign on their forehead. It's supposed to tell them that they're sinners and that they need repentance. And I go, what? That's the secular media saying that they got it right. So, Good for them. Yeah. So here's the point. I go, I got my grandson looking at me, Jesse. I can't believe it. Right through the window. Hello, little bull. <laughs> so bottom line, Jesse, is when we walk around with this, it's not to show off. But we, we're sinners. We're repentive. We, we know we need redemption. And that's where Jesus comes in. All right, Jess. What about, you know, there are several. Okay, here, here's my question. Oh, yeah. So the ashes. Give us an explanation. Where, where do they come from? Are they made from tree branches? What's going on with it? Okay, for, first, let me see how, how, how the ashes are observed by the church. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. About, then I'll talk about why the ashes okay. and some of the other nuances. So. How was Ash Wednesday observed by the church? Yep. There are there are several traditions, but the most widespread observance is by using ashes, often from the burnt palm leaves of the previous year's mm. Palm Sunday celebration, to mark the forehead of a believer with the sign of the cross. This is practiced in the Catholic Church, yep, East and West, uh, and a lot of Protestants are now starting to practice it as well. Why, Tim? Because, again, I did a CD on this. It's this biblical. Why, yeah. why ashes? Right. When you can share with a Protestant the biblical basis of Ash Wednesday, they're like going, wow, I'm in. And where do I get my ashes at? Nearest Catholic Church. So let me answer why the ashes. And let's just ask the, answer this question, Jesse, yeah. because they're going to be, everybody listening is going to be asked that question. Why the ashes? Go ahead and answer it, Jess. Yeah, the people of the Old Testament, they were called Israelites or Hebrews. Mm -hmm. In the New Testament, we call them Jews. It's the same category of people. Right. They used ashes as a sign of mourning, uh, you know, mourning as in crying, as in being sad. Right. You, you can find this in many passages of the Old Testament, like Esther chapter 4, Job chapter 42, and Jeremiah chapter 6. All there. So even today... Ashes are considered a symbol of death and of nothingness because ashes remind us of our helplessness and total dependence on God. Ashes remind us of our need to mourn our sinful nature, yep. to feel contrition, and to repent so that we may receive God's forgiveness. Ashes in the Old Testament are a symbol of sinfulness and of our commitment to spiritual renewal. You know, the ashes on our forehead, what's it doing? It's telling the world that we're sinners. Amen. But but they are in the sign of a cross, so we are sinners who have hope. Amen, brother. Amen to that. Jesse, why are the ashes put on the forehead, not you know, not on our hand or our feet? What's going what's going on with that? Well, back in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. uh the Old Testament tells us in, in many places, but in one in 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 19, that the ashes were placed on people's foreheads during times of fasting, during times of prayer, repentance, and remorse. And what they would actually do, Terry, they would actually get the ashes in their hands and throw them up in the air, yeah. and it would land on their head and on their forehead. They would do this in public. That was like a public sign that you were repenting of your sins before God. Uh, and so ours isn't as dramatic we go into a Catholic church and the priest or deacon, uh, uh, they'll, they'll put uh, this suit, this, ash, uh, this ashy, sooty substance on our forehead in the sign of the cross, which is basically a reminder, again, that we're sinners, that only the cross of Christ is our salvation, and the cross of Christ is our hope. Is it mandatory for all Catholics to get marked with the ashes, Jess? It is. It, it, 
it's again not under the penalty penalty of you're gonna yeah you're gonna go to hell or the mortal sin you know and a lot of people for example today people uh a lot of people were at church you know we me and my wife usually go to 8 a.m holy mass uh probably about 50 people today there's about 400 people (laughs) Uh, because a lot of people think it's uh it's it's a holy day of obligation it's not but that's good that a lot of maybe uh, disconnected Catholics, they kind of know in their heart that there's something special about this day. So they come and get the ashes. So the ashes, it's really a matter of personal choice. It's not a sacrament, but it is a good way. It's a good ascetical practice to start the 40 days of Lent, basically uh, coming and showing your face before the Lord, uh, admitting publicly that you're a sinner by these ashes on your forehead, but technically, no, it's not a holy day of obligation. Here's another practical question people ask us all the time. Do I have to leave the ashes on, Jess? Technically, no. There's nowhere in church teaching, none of the documents of the church say that you have to leave them on. Right. Uh, you know, you could wipe them off whenever you like. Uh, some Christian traditions, they encourage letting the ashes kind of wear off on their own. That's what I do. I let them wear off on my own throughout the day. Yeah. Uh, because... It's it's wherever you go, it's it's a public confession That's right. of our sinful nature and our remorse. And when people ask you, you can tell them. Like if you go get a haircut or something today, you can say, "Hey, what you, what's that on your forehead?" Oh, it's just a public expression as a Catholic that uh, that I'm a sinner, that I need Jesus, that I need to repent. And uh, the next forty days, I'm really going to work on my interior life, uh, and I'm going to go try to go deeper. I know for some people, this can be socially uncomfortable. Maybe you work in a high power office, but I'll tell you, Terry, some of the people uh, I really have a lot of respect for. I see a lot of the people on Fox News, on Newsmax. Oh yeah, uh, they're wearing their ashes. Yep. And uh, and you'll see, we're going to have uh, some people from Church Militant on. Obviously, uh, they'll have the ashes on their forehead. Absolutely. So so again, uh, as long as you're not wearing the ashes on your forehead as a sign of unholy pride. Uh, because that's not good. If you're doing it to say, see, I'm better than you. I got ashes and you didn't. Okay. Uh, but ultimately you do what you feel you're led to do. Follow your heart on this issue. Jesse, what are the benefits of observing Ash Wednesday to the individual soul? Uh, The benefits, Terry, of observing Ash Wednesday Mm -hmm. is is, is basically you're publicly acknowledging that we're sinners and that's a good thing. Yep. And we're committing ourselves to a period of serious spiritual reflection, serious spiritual reflection, which in the Bible, you see this happens within the, a 40-day experience. And, and I could even, I'll even mention it real quick, mm-hmm. the way God uses 40 days throughout history to bring, out, to bring about major transformation in a person's life and even in countries. For example, in the book of Genesis chapter 7, Noah experienced transformation during 40 days of rain. In the book of Exodus, Moses was transformed by 40 days of prayer on Mount Sinai. Uh, you'll find in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, David was transformed by Goliath's 40 days of challenging the Israelites to fight. Uh, you'll find Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He was transformed when God gave him food and drink to strengthen him to walk for 40 days to Mount Sinai. Jonah also transformed a wicked city called Nineveh in Assyria when he preached that the Lord was giving them 40 days to repent and to be faithful, we also find our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he was empowered by 40 days of prayer in the desert. And we also find the disciples now in the New Testament, 
they were transformed after spending 40 days with Jesus following his resurrection. Jesse, we're going to try to squeeze one more in. I heard that the Mardi Gras has something to do with Lent. How can that be? The word Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday in French. Mm -hmm. So for those who fasted by severely restricting their diets, the Tuesdays before the beginning of Lent in France, that was the last chance to eat up until Easter. So they celebrated with, with food in a big way. But unfortunately, the secular world has seized upon this day as an excuse to party hardy, much like the commercialization of Christmas, uh, uh, Halloween, and Easter, Terry. Well said. I want to remind everybody, uh, we're going to have the strength and honor section from Church Militant when we come back. Jesse, there's more here. Uh, what would you like to just finally wrap it up with on this topic of Lent? I'd Ash like to Wednesday. say that the, the, the season of Lent begins with the ashes that represent our sinfulness mm -hmm. and ultimately our death one day, yep. and it ends before Holy Thursday of the Last Supper. Then we enter the Holy Tritium, which is Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. All of this prepares us for Easter Sunday, where through Christ, God resurrects us and makes us new creatures, and this makes us recognize our absolute dependence on God who breathes the Spirit into us so that we may gain eternal life one day. That's what this is all about, Terry. It's a preparation for victory Easter Sunday. Sign me up. Sign me up, brother. Hey, when we come back, strength and honor section from the church militant folks. Love to have them on. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show, and we can say it. We're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed, and if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. This is, these guys are the what I would call the internal affairs of the Catholic Church. Uh, these guys, what a blessing that uh, these guys are around right now because it's made me reduce uh, my watching other news channels in the evening. I, my one-stop shop for Catholic news is uh, Church Militant. And by the way, we got Hunter Bradford on today. He's on my television screen every night. Me and Anita as we're ready, getting ready to you know, uh, call it a night and do our night prayers. We, uh, Hunter Bradford is in my living room every single evening. Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show, Hunter. Jesse, thank you for the introduction. Did I hear you say that you watch other news shows other than Church Militant? I, they, they've, they, I've redacted them to almost nothing at this okay. point. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. We, we can be friends. <laughs> hey, so t talk to us about uh, some of the things that are happening in the culture and in the church. Uh, tell us a little bit about... Uh, uh, Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri, and uh, he's calling for Canada to do what? He's calling for Canada to be put on a list of religious liberty violators. I mean, how many times have they arrested uh, the Protestant pastor, Arthur Pavlovsky? Um, he called for the same thing last year when um, they a lot of, a lot of Christian uh, congregations were forced to offer mass and their services— um, in secret, but um, yeah, Arthur Pavlovsky was arrested in, on February 8th, uh, actually by undercover SWAT team sitting right outside his house, his, uh, his son say, but one of the things that uh, it makes me think of is um, in 
in Canada, in, in, in China, really across the world, we've lost the philosophical war. Um, think of, I mean, when, when Biden and, and Saki talk about uh, democracy or freedom, um, they, they have a different definition of those words than, than we do. And unfortunately, if we, if we don't win the political war, which is what happens, which is where the battle goes when you lose the philosophical war, um, then we're going to have to go underground for our religious services in the same way that and it's happening in China right now. It's, it's happening in Canada. It happened here in the beginning of the uh, pandemic, but it's probably going to get worse. I mean, we could become we, Canada, we could become what China is, where there's the Catholic Church that's underground, and then there's the patriotic church that's allowed to function, but it's really not Catholic. You know, I'll tell you something. Uh, Josh Hawley, he's definitely one of the bright lights in the Senate. He's, he's what yep. I would call a man of goodwill. I don't know if he's Catholic or not, but he, he definitely tracks in the right direction. I mean, I can... Uh, yes. I would definitely jump in a foxhole with that guy any day of the week because... He's uh, again. He's. I think he's a fellow traveler. If he's a Protestant, I think he. He's a man of goodwill. He tracks in the mm-hmm. right direction. And I'll tell you, Hunter. One of the things that makes me sad is right now, in some of the worst Catholic, some of the worst people in the world are baptized Catholics. Yep. Joe, Joe Biden, uh, 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 Trudeau, Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi. Uh, uh, Fauci. I mean, the list goes on. Yep. Some some of the the people that are right now pushing Marxist socialism and that deny religious liberty and, and yep. deny basic constitutional rights, they're baptized Catholics. It's, yep. This is just so painful for, for us to see this, this type of open apostasy. But uh, good for, yeah, good for Josh Hawley. God bless him. Hey, yep. tell us a little bit, a little bit about uh, Catholic incumbent Governor Greg Abbott. Yeah. He's, he won the Texas Republican primary. He had some pretty... Uh, he he had some pretty formidable opponents, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Catholic and, and fake Catholic political candidates, this is in the Texas primary yesterday for the Republican side. It was Abbott versus two, one Catholic and another really man of goodwill, Alan West. Unfortunately, I think Alan West and Don Huffines combined uh, had around 23% of the vote. And uh, unfortunately, Abbott didn't reach 50%, which would then turn it into a runoff between Abbott and whoever was second place. But now in Texas, it's, it's Beto, this fake Catholic versus Abbott, who's not, he's not a fake Catholic, he's, he's Catholic, but um, we were watching the State of the Union address and we we're watching Biden and all the, uh, the Democrats come in. There were so many moments the camera panned on this Catholic standing up during a portion of Biden's speech when he was just rambling on about uh, Iran, I think he, he made comment of when he, he meant to say Ukraine, but he said Iran. But um, yeah, we have in Texas a fake Catholic versus uh, a Catholic and Abbott. And we know who's going to win that one. It's not really, I mean, Texas is going to stay red for a good amount of time. Don't know how long, although the Democrats are pushing for Texas to become blue. Although the one thing that I... To one thing to look for in 2022 is what kind of Republicans are going to win the congressional seats. So there's the, there's the rhinos and then there's the truly conservative people. Um, it it all depends 
for 2024, it all depends on what kind of Republicans we're going to see win seats. And uh, Greg Abbott has received push within the right to become more conservative, mm -hmm. um, to drop the any scent of being a rhino. Hopefully we see him do just that in the future. Yeah, well, that's good that he had people running against him because this way he knows yep. that people are, 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 are bucking for his job because and these are people that are definitely to the right of him. Yes. Uh, Al Alan West and the other gentleman. Don Huff finds Alan West. Yeah, these guys are men of goodwill. And, and th this hopefully is going to dog whistle Governor Greg Abbott, let him know, hey, this is what Texas wants. And because right, right now, you know, right now, Hunter, people have to be very clear. Uh, yes. You know, they have to be very clear. We need moral clarity from our leaders. Yes. And again, government clarity is charity nowadays. It always yes. has been, but especially yeah. now when we've got people in miters confusing the lady on purpose. We've got people who don't wear miters but are in lockstep with them, uh, Democrats who are attempting to do the same. You know, I would uh, hope and pray that one day we would have our leaders uh, just like they did, uh, like what was done under com under Nazism, where you had many many bishops back in the 30s and 40s that were saying you can't be a Catholic and you can't be a, a Nazi. Yeah, uh, we we need the same thing. We need we need more than one or two bishops saying this. Right. We need a lot of people, a lot of bishops in unison saying you can't be a Catholic and a Democrat until they change their position on marriage, on the, mm -hmm. on the sanctity of human life, on euthanasia. These things are just diametrically opposed from not exactly. only basic common sense, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesse, so, think of Bishop Callahan. He sidelines Father James Altman for coming out with really a common sense statement that you can't be Catholic and Democrat. He's, you know, he wants to strip him of his, his faculties and wants to go after him. But then when it comes to another priest also in his care, Monsignor Jeffrey Burrell, uh, he gets accused of having a thousand uh, homosexual encounters on uh, through the Grinder app, and then all all the messaging we hear post uh, the accusation is, well, it it wasn't minors though. It's like, wow. I mean, thank gosh it wasn't minors. But how how low of a bar are we gonna go here? Yeah, you ain't kidding. I mean, uh, the fact is, uh, sodomy is something that's it's one of the four. Sins that scream. It cries out. Yeah, it cries out. yeah. It's one of those. And it doesn't say what age. It's a sodomy period. Okay. Man on man, yes. man on boy, man on girl, man on wife. Sodomy period is, yes. is, is indecent, unnatural, immoral, and it's wicked in the eyes of God. Uh, yep. talk, talk to me a little about uh, South Dakota Republicans. What's going on over there in relation to pro-life uh, pro-life uh, legislation. South Dakota Republicans are uh, placing greater restrictions on abortion pills, an effort backed by Republican Governor uh, Kristi Noem. Uh, they advanced the legislation just two days ago uh, to restrict access to abortifacient uh, pills, requiring three separate in-person doctor visits. Um, the thought here is think of people's conscience when one time, two time, three times, they have to go to a doctor in person and tell that person, yes, I want to murder my child. I mean, I, I honestly can't imagine people who live in mortal sin and just accept it. Uh, unfortunately, I've, I've been there before in my life and uh, lying or just any push of mortal sin and living there is a, 
is a disaster of a life. It's a, it's a hellish life on earth. I don't know how people stay there for their, their entire life and, and not repent and convert. God help us. Uh, hey, uh, Hunter, just want to let you know that uh, you guys are a hit. Uh, the, 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 the team you have at night, Michael Voris and, uh, and, and the team of... I appreciate of, that. Yeah, of, of, of young whippersnappers. It's uh, so, some of the guys that I, in my men's group and some women that I was talking to at the parish, they're saying watching church militant evening news is easy on the eye. Oh, man. <laughs> you're, you're talking about uh, you're talking about Joe, Nadia, James, <laughs> I assume, correct? Yeah. No, I What's think that? we I really appreciate that. Uh, we do a lot of work um, in, in prep for the show. And really, I mean... <sighs> It's about saving the world and it's about souls. Now we do that through the medium of um, news and, and media um, of forming minds so that people can know and then respond to events in the world. Because we don't live, we don't live 2,000 years ago, we don't live 1,000 years ago. We, we have these problems today in 2022. We don't get to pick when we live, but we do get to pick how we respond to the events in the world and church militants uh, evening news. Um, we bring you those that those events, those news from a Catholic perspective in light of the gospel. Keep up the good work, Hunter and team, because I'm telling you, you guys are making a big difference. Uh, uh, your your influence is is uh, is uh, growing every single day around the world. Thank you. We, we finally needed a Catholic voice to give us an authentic Catholic. Uh, you know, report of the world and, right. and, and report the issues that are happening around the world from a completely Catholic lens, not an establishment lens, a Catholic yes. lens. You guys are doing a great job. God bless you, Hunter. We'll, see you. You. we'll see you tonight. I'll see you All in the right. room see tonight. All right. God bless you. God Church bless. Militant, every single Wednesday here, giving us an update on the evening news. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, that's a wrap. Uh, today's Ash Wednesday. Go get your ashes. Become holy or die trying. I don't care if you're five years old or 105 years old. It's time to become holy. God from all eternity chose you to be right here, right now in this time in history. God bless you. Live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Pray your rosary every day. See you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel.